Big Rab Show podcast is kindly sponsored by G1 Reads. They are the champion's choice, with many bands around the world playing G1 products, including two-time world champions in Vararian District. So check out g1reads.com as they keep the lights on here on the Big Rab Show podcast. Hello there. Welcome to another Big Rab Show podcast. Yes, I hope you're all keeping fine and well out there in podcast land. But I have to tell you, if this is your first ever Big Rab Show podcast, then you've chosen quite an episode to start with. Because this week will not be your usual Big Rab Show podcast. Yeah, this is a feature episode. We do these every now and again, uh, whenever we have something really quite special to bring you. And this week... Yes, you may have guessed by the title of this week's episode, we're going to be talking to Captain Stuart Sampson, MBE. And uh, yeah, this is going to be all sorts of awesome. But first of all, we have to get through the introduction, don't we? So yes, welcome to the Big Rab Show podcast. We are the show for the bagpiping folk. So if it's got bagpipes in it, around it or near it at all, then we are the show for you, reflecting everything in the bagpiping world be it Celtic music, folk music, or our bread and butter, which is competitive piping and drumming. Each and every week, we talk about what we know and love to be the music of the Great Highland Bagpipe. And, uh, yeah, this week is no different. Like I said, there'll be no weekly drone, no word of the week, no listener mail, and no news, for that matter. This week, we are concentrating solely on what was quite a special conversation with quite a unique individual in the piping scene, and I have to say it was an absolute privilege to get chatting to Stuart and talk all about his piping history, all of that, plus his incredible new collection of music. You guys are going to be in for an absolute treat this week, and uh, yeah, I am very, very proud to be able to present this episode to you this week. I have to say a massive shout out to our Patreon faithful who already have had access to this episode early. Yeah, so if you're on Patreon, unfortunately this feature episode, you guys have already seen it and heard it for that matter. So yeah, apologies to Patreon faithful. But um, yeah, for those of you who aren't on Patreon, here it is. <laughs> so yeah, if you would like to help support the show, of course, like every other podcast out there, you can go over to Patreon click on support and yeah you will get tons of backstage stuff exclusive interviews and yeah early access to episodes like this and a lot more other stuff that yeah i'm just going to be sitting here reading a hashtag list aren't i hmm now don't worry i know a load of you out there who'll be tuning in right now expecting the news and the weekly drone and all that other stuff but yeah don't worry we'll be bringing that to you on next week's big rab show podcast We really wanted to treat this episode with the respect that it deserves and it's really quite an amazing conversation with someone who has had a wealth of experience in the piping scene, both competitively as a judge and also in the tattoo scene as well. You guys are in for an absolute treat and I, yeah, (laughs) I can't wait to press play on this week's episode. Don't forget, though, you can mail us in and your emails and such will reach us for next week's episode. That email address, again, is bigrabshow at gmail.com. Bigrabshow at gmail.com is the address. Plus, of course, you can reach us on Weekly Drone, which is thebigrabshow.com forward slash weekly drone. 
all that sort of stuff. If you have any thoughts and feelings on what's been going on this past week, and there has been quite a lot, but don't worry, we'll come to it next week. Um, But yeah, get your thoughts and feelings and your commentary on this week's episode. We are about to get into something that's really quite valuable. And uh, yeah, we are very proud to be able to present to you this week. Such an incredible episode. But yeah, before then, we have to do some shameless plugs for an ongoing promotion that we have with the Piper's Dojo. We do know a lot of you folks out there are taking advantage of this at the moment, and we do urge you, please do, go and check it out. It's absolutely free, and we do know that a lot of Pipers out there are really benefiting from this system at the moment. So, yeah, but yeah. Without further ado, let's play a quick little ad, a little plug to let you know exactly what I'm talking about, and then we'll get into the meat of the show. Stuart Sampson, MBE. Wow. Do you ever feel frustrated or stuck with your piping? Despite your huge investment of time, energy, money and passion, you thought you'd be further along by now, but you're struggling. Month after month, year after year to progress. Every piper deserves the feeling of true creative freedom. Every time they pick up their pipes, So why hasn't this happened for you? Why are you still stuck? At the Piper's Dojo, they've developed a step-by-step methodology called the Bagpipe Freedom Process that's proven to offer real solutions to get unstuck with your piping. For Big Rab Show listeners who'd like to try this process, we'd like to offer the Bagpipe Freedom Blueprint online course 100% free. The course is catered to your own individual strengths and weaknesses and offers a clear game plan to break free from bagpipe captivity. Whether your instrument just won't cooperate with you or your fingers are holding you back, clear-cut solutions lie ahead. To enrol in the Bagpipe Freedom Blueprint for free, simply visit dojouniversity.com forward slash bigrab or thebigrabshow.com forward slash dojo today. So, welcome to the podcast. Quite a familiar face to the bagpiping world, if you don't mind me saying. Stuart Sampson, how are you, sir? Are you well? Hi, Rob. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, it's a great privilege to be on your show, and thanks very much for the invite. Oh, here, if anything, the honour's ours, sir. Because I have to say, I have been a huge fan of yours for years, and it's right. absolutely amazing to have you on the show. So, but we have you here for a very good reason. We're going to talk about your new collection of music called the Park Grove Collection. We'll get that plug in at the very beginning. Uh, but I do want to talk to you later about that. First of all, I do want to introduce people to who might not know who you are and your influence on the piping scene. Um, am I right in thinking you had over a 30-year career with piping in the military? Yeah, it was 30 years I served in, in the military I actually joined as a as a boy soldier, so I was fifteen when I joined up. Uh, really, wow! And then I did sort of uh, about a year and a half in juniors, and it was mm-hmm. a really good pipe band. It was stationed at Edinburgh at the time, at Dreghorn Barracks, uh, and that's what I really gave me a good introduction into my piping in the army uh, leadership skills. And then I eventually joined my regiment of choice, the Gordon Highlanders. That's it indeed. So yeah, from the Gordon Highlanders then, you, you went on to hold various different pipe major roles then with various different regiments. Isn't that right? Well, yes. It's, uh, I, I, was, I was the pipe major of the Gordon Highlanders just before the amalgamation. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that was a proud 
proud to have been Pint Major of the Gorn Highlanders because it was my regiment of choice. And, and then uh, we had an amalgamation uh, and I got pushed to the, the School of Music at Glencourse Barracks, which is a piping and drumming mine. So I became the pipe major uh, instructor at the school uh, and the pipe major of the Queensland Highlanders when they, they amalgamated together to become the Highlanders. He continued, that was Alistair Gillis, and he continued as a pipe major uh, bringing the Highlanders forward. Indeed. So can I ask you then about your time at the school at, during that, what did that role entail? Did you have like an active teaching role, like with students every every day, or how did that work? Yeah, well, the, the school the school at Milton Bridge. There was a few schools at the time in the military. You had the Army School of Bagpipe Music, Army School of Piping at Edinburgh Castle. Yes. And then at Milton Bridge Camp in Edinburgh, we had all the, the other courses. So it was piping and drumming uh, up to a certain level. And then once you got on the advanced courses, that's when you went to the, the castle and you did the other piping courses. So I was doing like the beginner courses and the intermediate courses. And then the drumming would be done right up to advanced standard at, at Milton Bridge. There you are. So I know from, well, my most of my experience is in piping in the civilian world. Uh, so qualifications that we can get at like the conservatoire and stuff, are they comparable with qualifications and things you can get in the military? Well, to be quite honest, Rob, I often think back, thinking, what if, you know, when I when I joined the army, I, I wanted, I was desperate to join the army because I, I wanted to be a piper in the military, but the big draw as well was you got a pipe major certificate, and at that oh, yes. time, there wasn't the Royal Conservatory of Scotland, there was no degree course uh, for bagpipes, mm. so that was really the only qualification that was out there, and, and I, I really wanted that qualification, thinking beyond the army, yes. you know, when I've done my service. Uh, and then further down the line, there, there became a degree course uh, Royal Conservatoire. So mm-hmm. you think, well, would, would I have joined the army or would I have not? But I probably would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say uh, anybody who's interested in joining the army as a fighter, I would recommend it, you know, strongly. It's, it's, uh, it's a oh, great Oh, for sure. Yeah. And if anything, um, just to refer it to recent news, actually, we've seen all of the incredible footage from the funeral just this past weekend there of His Royal Highness. And uh, the piper that was on display playing the flowers at the forest at the ceremony it was just breathtaking. It was one of the most poignant moments, I feel, of the service. And it's something that bagpipes could really bring to something like that. You know, you've had quite a number of memorable moments yourself, Stuart, uh, with piping in the military. Have you got any standout, standout moments that you could think that was pretty special? Yeah, well, well, first of all, I'd like to congratulate the, the Piper, you know, playing at yeah. the service, uh, Pipe Major Peter Grant from the mm. Highlanders. I mean, it was, it was magnificent. That was. I mean, and imagine, imagine the intense pressure on that I as well. I think, yeah, imagine that. It's, it's not just the play, and it's the, it's the whole responsibility of, yeah. of that moment, you know, Nervous, of course. Uh, nervous is good, so that that's, it's a good leveler, you know, it makes you focus. But I thought he, he played beautifully and his pipes were magnificent and it's it just, it just very fitting. Yeah, oh, it was totally. I completely agree. Yeah, so uh, and, did and you have I'm any saying, moment yourself? Yeah, like uh, that. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm saying that because I've experienced that. You know, you play, mm. 
you play Lone Piper, you know, up at the ramparts at the castle. Or, uh, you do the the Hogmanay show. You're doing, you're, you're bringing in the bells. That's, That's right. live. That's <laughs> live as well. So you're thinking this has got to go right. Aye. So th- these are these are pressure things. And and being, you know, all pipers are hoping that the pipes are going to sound well, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the actual performance. So they, they're all very self-critical. Uh, as pipers but uh, yeah I mean for me I, I enjoyed that side of it you know I, I like to go out and perform and I like the pressure mm, that's it indeed because you always have it in the back of your mind that am I going to have a reed fall into the bag here or something something terrible you know well, I mean don't get me wrong it, it does, that does happen yeah <laughs> I mean you actually I mean you actually Set your pipes up in such a way because when you strike in the bag, like you can't get what we call a misfire. It's mm-hmm. got you've got to strike. You get, you've got to happen first time. So you try a hundred times and it never happened once. You think, right? I'm confident that my reads are set up well. I'm yeah. not going to get a misfire. That's it, indeed. But it has happened to me a couple of times. Oh mercy, really? Oh no! And, yeah, and, and you've just got to deal with it. That's it. You just have to do what you can, I suppose, well, at that it's, time. It's a fact. It's a fact. It's a fact of playing the pipes. And if you're, yeah. if you're doing solo and you have a misfire, it doesn't really matter. You just stop and you start again. But if you're yeah. playing as part of an ensemble, when you've got to come in at a precise moment and you get a misfire, yeah. uh, <laughs> that, that would be quite yeah. scary. <laughs> so you've got to try and keep that all out of your mind. That, that, yeah, you're probably best forgetting about it and just remaining confident. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, Stuart, as you you'd mentioned there about standing on the ramparts at the Royal Edinburgh Military Tattoo, can you describe the feeling of what it's like being up there? Because I know there's generations of players that look at that footage, you know, and think, wow. Do you, know, do you ever get that wow feeling as you're up there? Yeah, well, the, you get picked to do it. You're not allowed to do it unless you've got a bike major's course certificate. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was seven, that was the sort of the, the, the baseline. And uh, I've done it a few times. And the very first time I've done it, yes, of course, you're nervous. Uh, it, it's it's quite a large area that you're standing on, so it's not really actually you're right on the edge. Oh, right. when, the okay. lights, when the lights come up, the spotlights come on you, you do feel as if you're getting sort of drawn towards the edge. <laughs> so, uh, it's a real... It's a real uh, quite a surreal thing. When you do a rehearsal, maybe during the day you're up there and it's daylight and you think, oh, this isn't too bad. But then when you're actually doing it at night time, it's dark and the spotlights come on. For the first time when you've never done it, it really is, wow. You know, and you just feel as if there's nobody there. You're just, you're just totally isolated. Wow. Just as if you're playing on your own, yeah. But you can still see down onto the escalade. Yeah. And then once you start, you just say, right, you've practiced it you just need to keep calm that's it keep calm and play play steady and then just concentrate till the end but it's a real it's a real moment and i'm sure i'm sure uh, everybody who's done it will have their own personal take on it yeah i have to say it's you know having seen it in person myself you can hear a pin drop in the whole place Mm -hmm. you know the whole place falls silent you just hear the piper is really magical, honestly. Um, so you were actually awarded an MBE for your services to piping in the military and the Royal Edinburgh Military Tattoo. Can you tell me about 
that experience of actually going to get your MBE? Did you have the opportunity to meet Her Majesty the Queen? Yes, I did. Uh, wow. The, the presentation took place at Buckingham Palace. Uh, and you have a wee sort of, uh, you get a little brief before you do it. Oh, right. Yeah. You have what the protocol is. And, and you also get told that you'll, you'll be probably not more than four or five seconds. You know, and you may get a very small few words going, but it'll not go on very long. Mm-hmm. Well, when I went up, it seemed to become a conversation. Oh, Queen wow, was asking really? Questions and, uh, <laughs> she was very interested in piping, but she was talking about the Sovereign Piper at the time, right. Derek Potter from the Royal Scots Union Guards, who became yes. the, the, the Sovereign Piper. And he'd been the first Sovereign Piper who wasn't in the infantry. So the first Sovereign Piper from the from the, the Armour Corps. And she was very aware of that. And she was asking, you know, uh, she knew that, that he was the first Piper Major from out with the infantry. Yeah. yeah and thanked me for the for making that choice and very pleased with the with her Sovereign's Piper. And, Wow. So yeah, and then and then when I, I received the MV and walked off, and then all the the people at the palace said, "Why did it take so long?" <laughs> <laughs> it's my fault. <laughs> See, I have heard that. I have heard that. You know, our, our queen is you know a bit of a piping fan. You know that she does enjoy the sound of the instrument. Yeah, so that's that's quite incredible, actually. Yeah, who knows? She might even follow the competitive scene. You never know. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have to say then, from yeah, from getting your MBE and being involved in the Edinburgh Tattoo and your all your service in the military, then you went from that to teaching in the National Piping Centre then for quite a number of years, actually. Can you tell me about your time then at the NPC, as it's known as? How did you find things there? Yes, well, when I, uh, when I left the military, uh, I decided... I was going to do so much service. And I was 45 when I, when I left the military, so I was still relatively young. Yeah. Uh, and I actually settled in Inverness. I was going to, that was going to be the place where I was mm-hmm. going to settle down. And me and my wife one day, we had a house up there. And about six months after I left, I got a phone call from Roddy McLeod saying, you know, would you be interested in coming down and, and teaching at the National Piping Centre on the degree course? Mm-hmm. It's three days a week. And I thought, well, that's that just suits me fine. You know, that would be great if I got that opportunity. So I said, I said, yes, I would, I would love to do it. So I ended up going down and then we sold our house in Inverness and moved down to just outside Glasgow. Mm-hmm. And I spent nine years at the National Painting Centre teaching in that course. I actually felt it was a great privilege because you're teaching the, the, the talented students, you know, coming yeah. through in that course. And when, when I was doing the, the director's job, uh, director of any bagpipe music, I mean, that's a hugely responsible job. And it was lots of paperwork and writing reports and yeah. you know, justification letters and all sorts of things that you had to do. That although I did do quite a bit of teaching in the army and on, on the course, in the bike majors course, mm-hmm. there was lots of other things that was... You know, I wouldn't say distracting, but they just had other responsibilities. Yeah, add many types things. Yeah. yeah. So, so when I went when I went to the National Appointment Centre teaching in this course, it was just purely teaching. So yeah. I felt like yeah. I think this is what Wally Ross must have felt like when he was teaching the way back because he would have been <laughs> not so much the admin; it was just purely the teaching. So 
I always sort of compared it to that, and I embraced that, you know, because it was a privilege, you know, to That's teach it. these talented yeah. individuals. That's it. And if anything, you, you did mention it, the talent of some of the students who go through that course is incredible. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's bound to have been an interesting process for sure. Yeah. yeah you're seeing them, you see. They come, they're, they're, some of them are really, really good players on arrival. Some yeah. of them are just need to be finished off a little bit. But it's, all, it's, not so much, it's not so much about teaching them, it's guiding them, you know, to, to, to realise what their potentials are. And also, you know, saying, well, you know, you went, you're maybe not so familiar with this aspect of piping. Why don't you give that a try? Because it's important you try everything. Yeah, well, that's it indeed. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. No, I, I could talk to you about your time with teaching forever, uh, but I've got a few more questions, honestly. Um, you were also appointed a senior judge as part of the uh, Solo Piping Judges Association, and you had the opportunity to judge at the Glenfiddich a few times. And I have to say, that has to be the hardest job in bagpiping. <laughs> yes, how, but, how did you find your time, uh, you know, at, well, being a judge at the Glenfiddich Championship? Well, yeah, uh, it was, I mean, it's, it's, it's a huge responsibility, isn't it? Mm, you, know, yeah. you, you know that it's because it's recorded as well. And, and it's... I wouldn't say it's the most enjoyable experience because if you're enjoying it, then you're probably not doing your job. You know, no, it's that's you know, it. yeah. because you're really focused. You're really, you're mentally tuned in for that day. Yeah. Say, so, right, I need to be absolutely focused on that. And you don't want to let anybody down. You don't want to let your fellow judges down. And most importantly, you don't want to let, you know, the competitors down. You know, yeah. so... I, and I suppose, I mean, I treat every competition like that, but because it's because it's uh, the, the, the big one, as it were, you know, you, you really are tuned in. So uh, a lot of pressure. I'd also say as well, you probably listen a little bit more differently than, than you would be as you were actually just mm. sitting there in the audience. You know, yeah, I would have been up, yeah. You're <laughs> judging, you're sitting there just appreciating the music for what it is. Yeah. And, 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 and I ask questions of myself there. When when you're actually listening there, when when you've got not got that pressure of judging, are you actually hearing more? <laughs> you know, because you're not focused in, in, uh, when you're judging, hmm. uh, you're in a cocoon. Yeah. But are you taking everything in? You're not maybe you're appreciating it in a different way. So there's a bit there's a bit of debate there. For oh, me. for sure, yeah. That's interesting, actually. Yeah, because, you know, as a spectator, you get to take in the venue, the atmosphere and all mm-hmm. of that. But as you say, as a joke, uh, as a judge, you kind of have to be so severely focused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, some would argue that the judges have the most difficult job on the day, never mind playing in the actual thing, uh, because you are there performance after performance. Performers, after they're finished, they get to go and have a beer and relax for a bit. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, but you haven't haven't been a competitor myself. You know, you get you 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 know what the competitors are going through. I mean, I was I was lucky enough that I qualified once to play at the Glenfiddich. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's an experience that I'll never forget. You know, it's quite a quite a thing. That's it know, to tread the boards. Yeah. 
Uh, well, if anything, I could probably talk to you about another three hours for that one as well, uh, Stuart. But I have to ask you then about, well, the Basel tattoo in Switzerland. We, a good number of people who've been on the show here before have been part of the Basel tattoo. Am I right in saying that you're the director of the Mass Pipes and Drums for the Basel tattoo? I am, yes. Uh, I've, I, I've been doing that since 2007. So mm. the, year, the year before I left the military, uh, probably about 2000, 2002 or 2003, I met uh, a, a gentleman called Eric Juliard, who is the founder and lead drummer of Top Secret Drum Corps. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so he got to know me a little bit through the tattoo, and he decided uh, a few years after that, he was going to start his own tattoo in Basel. There you are. So, uh, he asked me, he says, look, uh, would you be interested in coming and helping me uh, uh, direct our mass pipes and drums? And I says, well, yeah, I'll come over and have a listen and see what it's all about. And mm-hmm. 2007 went over and gave him a little bit of a hand and he says, look, that was great. Would you would you like to continue? He says, I know that you're, you're leaving the military. We can offer you a position as, as our director of mass pipes and drums. Mm-hmm. So, and I've been doing that ever since. And it's not only Basel, they also did three years and they, they organised a tattoo in, in Berlin as yeah. well in the same year. And I've done three Christmas tattoos as well oh, with the Basel wow. production team. So, yeah, so I've done quite a few uh, tattoos now with that production company and I love it. And I, I, love, I love working with mass bands. I just like the whole... The whole thing about it, you know, lots of people would run a mile, you know, <laughs> trying to be in charge of it. Somebody's got to be in charge, but you know, uh, it. it's just something I enjoy. I just like seeing the end product. I like sort of, you know, putting them through their paces in a gentle way. <laughs> <laughs> and that there is a certain buzz about it, you know, for sure. As that band hits the floor, there is something in the arena. And, you know, I have watched a lot of the footage, actually, of the Basil Tattoo, and it, yeah, there's something electric there that you just can't capture. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you intentionally try to do whenever you're, like, picking tunes and things like that to kind of yeah. add that bit of emphasis? Yeah. Well, I arrange the music, you know, and I've written a lot of music for the show because I want to make the, the mass pipes and drums, it's, it's, it's my music, it's my sort of thing that I've put together. Yeah. So you, you, a lot of the tunes that I've written is, is actually written for more mass pipes and drums. And, and if you want to, if you want to make spice it up, make it a little bit more technical, and that that can easily be easily be done by the individuals. Mm-hmm. But a yeah. lot of my tunes is, is set for how can I write something that's going to even enhance the drumming? You know, let the yes. drumming come through and and, and put the pipers as player. You know, so it's, yeah. it's all about the creating a musical program which your audience is going to actually hear only once but actually when they hear it they go oh that was that i enjoyed that i can i can uh, uh, actually connect to that yeah yeah so that's what you're trying to achieve that the that the what you put together is likable by your mm-hmm. audience so you've got to know what your audience is sort of looking for so there's a little bit of mix here. There's maybe the odd little sort of uh, we've played the arrival, the Abba tune. You know, oh yeah, 
<laughs> three-part harmonies, you know, and oh, stuff. Brilliant. So you make it interesting. Yeah. So I like to use a lot of harmonies, and I just like to make it interesting for the pipers, you know, that's playing the pipe music, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, we put, the, we put the scores, the drum scores, you know, we used to do the videos, the tenor drum flourishing and stuff. Everything to give them the every chance to rehearse, you know, six months in advance. So yes. when, they come, when they come for the rehearsals, these you have 10, 12 bands coming together. They've never seen one another before. Mm, that's and all of a sudden they're playing this music. They, they hear it for the first time themselves <laughs> yeah. as a mass. And, 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 they're, and that's the moment they're going, oh, this is, this is going to be great. Because they can they feel are. that this is it. We are now at the point where we're just about to perform in front of an audience as a mass, pipes and drums. And, and I tried to sort of... You tell them once we all come together, we're all one big family. You know, we're one team. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all we're not all different bands. We're one band. One big band. Yeah. Together and help each <laughs> other, and it, work, it works a treat. You know, we we all have a good time. That's it. Playing and and socially as well. Well, of course, I have to. Yeah, totally. Uh, can I ask then? You know, that coming together moment of all those separate units all coming together in one spot. But but a lot of bands would be international. And a lot of, well, English, English wouldn't be their first language, obviously, for a lot of these bands. Do you ever find that, you know, the music doesn't need translation, uh, you know, or do you need to kind of communicate that, you know, across borders, that kind of thing? Uh, not really. I mean, I've always found that the bands have always turned up pretty well prepared. Yeah. So when, when, you, when you actually do the, the musical sort of proof the music musically mm-hmm. together for the first time, it's usually... Not far away, and it's just a case of just tightening up maybe some of the breaks and the tempos. Aye, and that, and that was it, really, yeah. And that's it, really. And then, then the hard bit for me is I've got two and a half days to then teach them the drill. And oh, you get into yeah. all these fancy formations. And they don't even yeah. know what they're getting into until they <laughs> arrive. And I say, I sold up a picture and I say, this is what you're going to be doing. Right, and then they all look like rabbits in the headlights, that kind of no, thing. They'll, yeah. never do, they'll never do that, but I've got a system that works for me how we do that. So. There you go, brilliant. McClellan Bagpipes, from North American artisan bagpipe maker Roddy McClellan. From Euston, Scotland, they adhere to the highest traditions of Scottish bagpipe making, using the finest materials, employing bespoke design and committing to constant innovation and evolution including exciting new products such as the Elevation Chanter, plus restoration work on vintage bagpipes for the next generation. Check out bespokebagpipes.com for more information. McClellan Bagpipes, born in Scotland, made in the USA. LoneStarPiper.com your one-stop shop for all of your piping and drumming needs. Thanks to the continued support of their friends and customers throughout the years, Lone Star Piper is now the official retailer for R.G. Hardy in the United States of America. From custom hand-sewn Gaelic-themed kilts and uniforms to R.G. Hardy and Henderson bagpipes, LoneStarPiper.com has you covered from head to toe. With R.G. Hardy's extensive line of products, they have everything you need to be successful on or off the grass. If you have any questions about any of the products they carry, you can contact Jeremy at sales at LoneStarPiper.com. LoneStarPiper.com, helping champions look and sound their best. The British Drum Company. 
is a young player in the drumming world that has established its reputation as a manufacturer of exceptional drum kits, and it's now turning its attention to the bagpiping world. The world of pipe band drumming is represented by the Axial Range, launched in August 2019 with innovative features developed alongside British Drum Co. International Marching Specialist Jim Kilpatrick, MBA. The stunning Axial Range was then selected by the Grade 1 Drum Corps of Glasgow Police Pipe Band for the 2020 season. British Drum Co. drums are all handmade, made by craftsmen in Stockport in the UK. The build quality and attention to every detail is second to none, contributing to British Drum Co.'s reputation as artisan makers of some of the finest drums available today. These drums are available only through approved British Drum Co. specialist dealers. For more information on all British Drum Co. products, please visit BritishDrumCo.com or follow on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. The British Drum Company. Look amazing, sound amazing, feel amazing. Stuart, I could talk to you about tattoos, being a judge, your time in the military. I could have you on the show here for hours, but I want to get into the meat of the interview where about 10 years ago, you released your first collection, which is The Land of Bands and Glens and Heroes. And uh, now, 10 years on, you're releasing a brand new collection of tunes, which is called the Park Grove Collection. Can you tell us then, is this kind of 10 years worth of work all in this one collection? Yes, yeah. It was 2011 uh, that took out Lands and Bends, and, and uh, mm-hmm. that was probably music that accumulated since the spike music of the Gone Highlanders in the early 90s. I maybe composed some tunes for commanding officers leaving and regimental mm-hmm. events, and that tunes started to build up a little bit. But it wasn't until I really went to the Royal Emperor Military Tattoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a director, and then you started maybe writing tunes for Edinburgh. Uh, Let's Be Forget was a tune that I wrote, uh, which I played myself in the Ramparts in 2005. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that tune is like now people, so many people have asked me for that music, you know, or Let's Be Forget, because it's not too long. It only lasts just about a minute, mm-hmm. 20. Uh, but it's like a P-Brock. It's like a P-Brock condensed right down into a, a minute, a 20. minutes. Yeah. So it's like uh, a lot. A lot of people's asked me for that music for for remembrance, uh, commemorations, and stuff like that. So uh, that 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 was great. And and then as I'm building that music up, I then got posted. Well, not posted. I went went, went to work at the National Payment Centre. Mm-hmm. And then being there with the degree students who are always being pushed to compose and, and it's just an inspirational place. She had an office with Finley McDonald as well. And you know, he'd be coming in and saying, Oh, I've written a new tune last <laughs> night. And let me hear it and say, Oh, that's a cracker. And then I I would come in at the, after the weekend and say, I've written three tunes this weekend. <laughs> so there's a bit of sort of banter going on there. So I, I wrote a lot of music at that time, and it was Finley that says, Look, you really need to bring out a book. Um, and so that's how the 2011 book uh, came about. And it, it, it was more, it's got a lot of photographs in that book. It tells a lot about my history, where I come from, my mm. career, uh, and stories of the tunes at that time. Where, where it's my new collection is more about, not so much about the story about me, because it's there in the first book, it's just all about the, the music and, and the story behind the yeah. tunes. 
And that's uh, an accumulation of tunes over the last sort of since 2011, so 10 years, yeah. There you are, yeah. So can I ask about the title of the book then, the Park Grove Collection? Can you tell us where the title came from? Yeah, it's, it's pretty basic, I'd say, but it's just, it's the name, name of the house. <laughs> what I'm oh, well. Because a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of the tunes, you know, a lot of the tunes I wrote here because I, I didn't imagine I'd be able to produce this book for another two or three years. Oh, really? Wow. So it's because of the lockdown that I was wow. able to bring that book away forward. Yeah. Because yeah. there's no Basel tattoo, there's nothing happening for me. So you have time I, on your hands. So I said, I need, I need to get my hands on, into something and, and keep myself occupied. So my wee piping room that I've got, uh, just sort of got myself in there and said, right, let's start writing some music. And, and probably about 20 tunes are in that book. It was written, you know, uh, in my wee piping room here at wow. Park Grove. There you go. So the Park Grove collection was born, really. So we're going to play some tunes, actually, from this collection, uh, Stuart. We're going to start, actually, with a set of jigs here. Uh, we have Cargill's Leap, Skim in the Water, the Quantum Leap, and the Glass Chanter. Now, I'm not going to ask you about the first uh, three tunes, but can you tell me about the story behind the Glass Chanter? I think there is bound to be a story here. Yes, well, the, in the Highlands of Scotland, there was a, in the Highland, the Highland Games circuit for, for the solo piping competitions, the, the, the aggregate prize. So whoever accumulated the most points yeah. and prizes... I think there must have been about maybe 15 or 20 uh, competitions. And whoever won the most points was presented this Keith Ness glass chanter, which you kept, you kept for a year. I see. So I was lucky enough to win it in 1997. Uh, I was posted I was to Cameron Barracks at Inverness at that time, recruiting and, and so it's piping all the time. So I was really tip-top, very much fitting my player. Yeah. Uh, so I was at every single every single game. You know, I didn't I didn't miss one. So I was I was accumulating points, you know, quite easily because it was everything. Not all the pipers could go to all of the games, but I mean, there's lots of great pipers. You know, Alistair Gillis had won that uh, chanter. Donald John McIntyre, uh, DG McIntyre, uh, yeah. Neil Matheson oh, wow. was probably won that a few yeah. times. So yes, so I I won that chanter in 1997. I had to keep it for a year and. Hand it back, not oh, broken. Okay, not broken. <laughs> yeah, so now we have a tune of it. Yeah, so without further ado, I think we'll play this wee set of jigs.
So, Stuart, that was fantastic, honestly. Uh, I have to say, this is a collection of 56 different tunes. So you, you only heard a number of jigs there, but this collection has pretty much every time signature covered. Reels, hornpipes, strespetes, everything on here, really, for all pipers, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very conscious that uh, uh, for the index, I would like to produce a book that's got everything. You know, mm. it's, it's, it's when you look at it, you go, wow, there's... Lots of marches, simple and compound time. Uh, I, 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 I love to space. You know, I really, I really, whether it's because I'm from the northeast of Scotland and all the fiddle music, I've got sort of connections to the fiddle music in Scotland, and yes. uh, and I really, really like sort of to space. So I, I'm, I'm feel blessed that I was able to come up with five to space uh, for this week, and my first book. Mm-hmm. Two Mr. Spays actually ended up getting played. One we Scottish Power in, in 2012 with Hilla and in their medley. Uh, and in 2019, Phil Marshall played one of Mr. Spays, uh, Wanda J. Sampson, who's named after my wife. There you go. I so, was going to ask you about that. So hear, <laughs> that's the, when you hear your music being played, you know, by these bands, that's a moment you think, wow. That's yeah. that's something, you know. That's, it was a great moment. You feel very proud that people actually the 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 listen to your music and say, yeah, we're quite happy to play that. That's it. And if anything, those jigs that we just heard, I could definitely hear a band playing that for sure. But we'll have another set that I can I can really tell that's going to be an excellent starter tune for a band, and we'll keep that. But there's another tune that really kind of piqued my interest, Stuart, that you, again, you uploaded these performances to your YouTube channel, and we're sharing them here now on our podcast. It's the Peabrook that you had written, The Flame of Remembrance. Can you tell us the story behind this tune then before we actually play it? Yes, well, there's two Peabrooks in the book, uh, and, and this is the second Peabrook that I composed. Uh, and I just felt, you know, one day we just, because I like to pick my pipes up and just play anything. Mm. So you just you just play improvise. Yeah. So I play something really slow, like Peabrookly style, and I record myself, and then I came up with this phrase, and it was just that one phrase, and you build it from there. And that's what Peabrook's all about, it's, it's, it's phrases that you put together and you build build the theme. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, this this could be this is potential for me that I, I I quite like the way this is going. So I I composed the tune, and then when you're composing, you're thinking, what am I trying to achieve with the theme? What's what's it going to be called? Yeah. Sometimes sometimes it's easier when you've got the name first. So mm-hmm. you're then so you've got a, you've got a theme. And then you're composing yeah. to that sort of, which fits the name. Mm-hmm. And it, it didn't have a name, so I'm thinking, I really need to come up with something that's, I don't want to make it a name that's not going to be usable. Yes. Either. So I thought, well, the flame of remembrance, it takes in such a wide, mm-hmm. uh, for the individual, they can put their own thoughts on that. You know, it can, mm-hmm. it can be associated to the, to the military, to remembrance, from the, the the wars from the past, First World War, and, and all the people that sacrificed their lives, it yeah. can be uh, related to the, the, the all the sadness and loss of lives in COVID. Mm-hmm. You know the times that we're in now. So uh, anybody can take that and personally put their own sort of thoughts into their, their own feelings. Yeah. The, the notes, the notes are there, 
Mm -hmm. Depending on the individual's thoughts, they might express it slightly different to how they're, how they're and, and that's what that's what beavers all about. It's emotions. You should play the you should play the tune. Uh, you know, there's certain tunes it's hard to play the same twice, exactly the same, <laughs> because you might be stretching the note a little bit longer one day compared to the next, because it's just mm -hmm. it's in your it's in your feelings and your and in your body, you know, at that particular time, how you express the tune. That's it indeed. Uh, so we're going to play a little clip of this here, actually. This is the Flame of Remembrance performed by Stuart. And yeah, you can keep that emotion in mind as you're listening to this. <laughs>
So that was the flame of remembrance, Peabrook there. So that was the ground and the first variation. Uh, but the, the whole tune actually is in the Parkgrove collection. Is that right, Stuart? Yeah, the whole, the whole tune's in the, the Parkgrove collection. And I will, and I will get around to, to recording the whole tune <laughs> uh, sometime going forward, but not in the too far distance, you know, and, and, I'll, and I'll put that on my, on my YouTube channel. Excellent, excellent stuff. So can I ask you then about your approach to composition? You did mention there about, you know, picking a topic and then composing towards that topic. Has there ever been a time where, you know, do you ever sit down at a table and say, right, I'm writing a tune today? Or does it just happen to you as you're sitting at traffic lights? You get a phrase, just pop into your head. Mm-hmm. You know, how does it work for you? It's a bit of both. You know, sometimes you're actually, sometimes you're asked specifically to compose a piece of music. Oh, yeah, yeah. So then you're like, well, okay. And then you go away worrying. You go away worrying. You go, <laughs> I hope I can come up with something. But I've never really had, uh, I've never really been stuck. You know, mm. uh, sometimes you, you think, mm, today's not a good day. It's not going to happen. You just got to accept that it's not happening today. And then the next day you wake up. Uh, and you say, right, I'm trying to come up with something for this particular tune. And then, hey, presto, it's happened. There you know, uh, or you may get, you may get the, the, the basics of it and then you can work on it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the other time, it's, it's phrases that come into your head. You know, it could be in the middle of the night. It's very often, I, I've seen me get up three o'clock in the morning uh, and going through to where my phone's charging and sit, yeah. pressing the record button and singing into the phone. <laughs> <laughs> a phrase, and then when you wake up in the morning, you listen to the phrase again, and you go, "Yeah, that sounds that sounds promising. We'll, we'll see if we can build something on that." Uh, and the other thing is, I like to do is maybe play, you know, a six eight marks, and then at the end of that, continue, continue to improvise and play, and, and you're recording at the same time. And, yeah. and I've actually become quite, uh, I've, I've quite, I'm quite good at improvising. Now I can play maybe for maybe four four parts and keep going. There you go. I might have got a odd little note wrong, but it but it's all seems to fit in. And, and I think it's because I'm writing so much music, mm. not just composing, but writing music for the tattoos, the sending out to the bands. So you're actually, you're maybe just subconsciously becoming more aware of note patterns. Yes, yes, yeah. So that's, that, that's interesting as well, how you've become more experienced. That's it. And then able to put pen to paper at the end of it. Yeah. So can I ask then about, do you have anything that you would count as being like inspiration? You did mention about reading, you know, the fiddle scene there and Strasbourg music and stuff. Is there anything then that particularly does inspire you to write music? I think it's just, it's, it's just uh, rubbing shoulders with other people that's, that's uh, creative. Hmm. And I, I, I see things uh, maybe a little bit different now because I've had the opportunity to work at Basel and I do a lot of work with, with their director of music, you know, who's got his own orchestra, Christoph Walter Orchestra. And, yeah. and Christoph, he writes a lot of music and uh, also for, for the pipes. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll send stuff to me saying, I've written this for the pipes, we'll do this in the finale. You know, right. and, uh, yeah. and, and then he gets me to check the bagpipe part, and I say, "Yeah, well, maybe change. How 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 about changing it a little bit here? I can hear that maybe the pipes playing a counter melody and stuff." And, yes. and so we've we've built up a good rapport on that. So I've done a lot of jobs with him, gigging with his orchestra, and I love playing with the orchestra. But I love being 
as part of the orchestra, just socially. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they, they're all fantastic musicians. And and it's like, well, as then I realised, because we, uh, being a piper, we all say to ourselves, oh, we're just a piper. Oh. <laughs> we're, not, we're not just a piper, we're, we're all musicians at the end of the day. You know, whether you're a piper or a drummer, you know, or playing playing the flute or the clarinet, we're all musicians regardless. And the orchestra, it was like they were treating me as if you're a soloist uh, musician of the highest order. Well. <laughs> I'm just a piper. <laughs> so, so I start to realise, you know, there's more about this music thing. If you if you get an opportunity to play in that situation. Mm. You know, I would say anybody gets an opportunity, go do it. You know, you'll it's it's great fun. I go, yeah. No, that's that's pretty wise words there. Yeah, I dare say not many pipers have had that opportunity. You know, um, but those who have have sung its praises for sure. So, yeah, good advice there, Stuart. Now, before I let you go, um, I have to say again, thank you so much for chatting to us here on the show and telling us all about the Park Grove Collection. Uh, those of you watching the video here on YouTube or listening to this podcast right now, go to sdsamsonmusic.com, pick this up. You will not regret it. That's big rab show seal of approval right there. Uh, we do have another final set to bring you here at the end of the interview. But before we do that, we have some big rab show staple questions that we ask every guest that comes on. And I'm afraid you're not going to escape them either, Stuart. So <laughs> I have to ask you them, Stuart Samson. What is your favourite cheese? My favourite what, sorry, we're breaking up there. What is your favourite cheese? Cheese? Oh, yes. uh, cheddar. <laughs> ah, good choice. Good choice. There you go. So can I ask then as well, what has been your most embarrassing moment in piping throughout all of your storied career? Is there one that stands out that makes you cringe? Uh, <laughs> there's one there's one going away back when we were seven in Berlin and I remember being on a stage uh, with with the band and I was uh, we were in a big semicircle and there was an audience and it was some sort of uh, high up might mean sort of royal royalty uh, at it as well. Oh wow, yeah. Uh, and uh, but not wasn't the uh, anyway that that's by, by the way anyway. It was one of these moments when I talked about the misfire. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, no. So the, band, the regimental band was there as well. I think we were playing a tune called Rosa Kelvin Grove or something like that, which is we play quite a lot. Mm. And you got the introduction and then you strike the bag in for four and then you start playing. Well, it was strike the bag in. No, it's no happening. It's no happening. Oh, and, no. And, and the conductors, he's <laughs> actually... Uh, Holding, holding that, so uh, the whole band's going, oh, and I'm going, <laughs> start smacking it, you know, nothing's happening. Oh, and then the no. pipe sergeant who's at the other side, he just, he struck up and started to play it. Oh. oh. <laughs> but, but it just shows you, you know, these, these things can happen. Oh, I'm that's not, it indeed. I'm not beyond it, so. No, no, for sure. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic story. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Stuart. Um, so also, before I let you go and we do play this uh, final set, can I ask you then, have you any advice for players who are picking up the chanter for the first time or maybe, you know, learning tunes and that for the first time? Any words of wisdom or advice for new players? 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the most thing is just is to enjoy your practice. That's practice good. practice yeah. is actually the most important part of making yourself better. So if you can make your practice sort of regime a bit enjoyable, you know. So for me, how I did it was I, I made up my own timetable. It wasn't like my mum or my dad was going to say, this is when you're going to play. You, you yeah. sort of say, no, I'll, I'm going to do my time, my mm -hmm. practice, but you work it in your, your schedule, as it were. This is when I'm going to practice and this is when mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. Because I know lots of kids, you know, they've got lots of things going on. It's not just yeah. going to be the practice center. They've got lots of other interests. And I, don't, I had a lot of interests as well. I was very, very uh, sporty, you know, and, and it's always doing lots of that stuff as well. So mm. you have to try and fit it all in. So enjoy your practice. Uh, and it's got, even if you're going to practice, it's better to practice 15 minutes well than half an hour not concentrating. Ah, uh, yeah. See, so make your, make, less is more. Mm. You know, even if you do, if you're going to do an hour's practice, I, I see a lot of students I've taught, actually, if you're trying to memorize a piece of music, if you're going to sit down for an hour and try and memorize a piece of music, you're better doing four 15-minute um, Small every, blocks, yeah. Because every time you go back to it, your, your mind and your brains having to remember it. Hey, wow. Not over and over and over and over. You've got to take a break and go back to it. Take a break and go back to it. And every time you go back to it, mm -hmm. that's when you're making a little bit of progress. Ah, I see. So it's, it's not, for me, I would say it's not the length of practice, it's the amount of practice sessions that you're putting together. They are. Small, no, small bursts. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you, Stuart. I really appreciate that. So I have to say again, a massive thank you from all of us here in the Big Rab Show. It's been great to have you on, Stuart, and we hope that you'll be back on a future show. Who knows? Well, and, um, it's the first time on the show, and, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, Thank you very much for ha having me on and giving me the opportunity to talk about things that I do and also give my book a plug. Yeah. So. Thank you. Oh, of course. So the Park Grove collection is available now. It's on Stuart's website. So like I say, sdsamsonmusic.com. Go and pick yourself up a copy. We're actually going to close the interview with a set here, which is a slow air called Heading to the Harbour, and possibly one of my favourites. I'm, I'm finishing on this one for, on purpose, Stuart. It's called The, the Doolander. I think this hornpipe is an incredible tune that I can hear bands playing into the arena. You know what I mean? So can you tell me about the tune, The Doolander? Where did it come from? Well, again, just, just sort of practicing about it. I like, I like sort of tunes that go up and down. You know, they've got these patterns that go up and down the scale. Yeah. Uh, a, tune, a, a tune that I sort of really like playing was a tune, a reel called, a hornpipe called The Hawk. Uh, and it, it's got sort of similarities to that tune. Mm -hmm. uh, the, sort of the same sort of style, as it were. And I thought, well, yeah, I'm going to try and make something similar, but 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 my own, in, in a way. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this tune, I finished it, and I needed to come up with a name. And that's sometimes picking a name is harder than writing, writing the tune itself. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I try to think of something that's a bit sort of different. And then I started to think back to my army times, 
And some of the words that we used to use or names we used to give things, and the Doolander was the name. We used to quite often hear that that word getting said, especially on the band bus. We'd be going going somewhere to Highland Games or somewhere, and you'd see some some old guy with the, the big the big Balmoral bonnet <laughs> on, on the yeah. Tama Shanter, the old ones, they're really, they're really wide. Yeah, uh, and we used to call, call uh, uh, check that guy's Doolander out. You see, Doolander, <laughs> and, and a do in the in the northeast of Scotland, which is what we call it, it's a pigeon. Oh yes, you yes. see. So because because the hat's such a big circumference, you see that's so that's a Doolander, that's a pigeon lander, pigeon lander in the hat. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a landing, it's a landing pad. So it's uh, that's how the name came about. So it's about it's about fun. It's a, it's a fantastic tune and a fantastic collection of music, Stuart. So thank you all so much for sharing it with the piping world and for being part of our podcast this week. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, yeah, here's a, an amazing set of tunes for you.
Wow. <laughs> simply, simply wow. Um, I have to say a huge thank you to Stuart Sampson MBE for chatting to us here on The Big Rab Show. I have to be honest, um, I was a little bit starstruck. <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, like I said at the very beginning of the interview, um, I was a fan, or still am, a massive fan of Stuart Sampson. And I've been following his career, really, uh, for what seems like years. And it was an absolute privilege to be able to chat to him and talk all about his history with the military, playing as a competitor, making his way into the judging fraternity, and talking about his experiences judging at uh, the Glenfiddich, all of that. Plus to get to hear all about his incredible new collection, the Park Grove Collection, as you guys heard there, there was three different uh, performances that we uploaded there as part of this week's pod. It was just simply brilliant. And you can go actually to Stuart's YouTube channel now and you can go and check out more from the book actually. So yeah, he's been recording them uh, every couple of days I suppose and been uploading videos to his YouTube channel. So well worth a listen and yeah, I would urge you go out there, grab a copy of the Park Grove collection. You will not be disappointed. It is a treasure trove of amazing tunes, definitely worth picking up. I have to say, I do hope that we'll have Stuart back on a future show of The Big Rab Show. Um, But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's feature episode. We don't often do this, but yeah, whenever big conversations like this or, you know, big opportunities like this present themselves, we do like to dedicate some time and actually present it as a feature episode like this. So don't worry, next week, normal service will resume with Weekly Drone, Word of the Week, all that kind of usual stuff that'll all come back on next week's pod. But yeah, if you have any thoughts or feelings on this week's episode, please let us know. If you would like to hear anything more like this in future, big feature episodes like this, then definitely get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address, bigrabshow at gmail.com. Again, that email address, bigrabshow at gmail.com. Get in contact with us. Let us know if you enjoyed this week's episode or not. Now, don't forget we also have Weekly Drone as well. Get your Weekly Drones in. Yeah, bigrabshow.com forward slash Weekly Drone. That's where you do it. And you can, yeah, you can send us in your stories, thoughts, feelings, anything at all, absolutely anonymously. And yeah, I dare say we will have a few after this week's episode. A lot of real fascinating insight there, I feel, and very valuable for a lot of folks out there. So there you go. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did making it. And again, I have to say a huge, huge thank you to Stuart Sampson for taking time out to chat to us here on The Big Rab Show. We really hope that he'll be back again on a future episode uh, where we can dive in a bit deeper in some of the topics that we approached. Uh, I dare say there's a treasure trove of information there and a wealth of experience to draw from that I feel that we can all learn from too. You know what I mean? Anyway, moving on, that's it for another Big Rab Show podcast this week. Thank you, each and every one of you for downloading this week. And if you haven't already, please do consider subscribing wherever you're listening to us. So each and every week you'll get a notification to let you know that Rab has uploaded another one. Also, don't forget to follow us on all social medias and you can share this episode with your mates. Let them know about it. Yeah, I don't know. I think the wealth of advice and stories and stuff here, definitely worth sharing. So share it with your mates, of course. And yeah, introduce them to the Big Rab Show podcast and what we do over here. Yeah. And also, don't forget, if you'd like to support the show, you don't have to. But if you'd like to, you can go over to our Patreon, click on support, and you guys can get tons of extra pipe and content for five bucks a month. Yeah. So what's not to love? 
Okay, guys, normal service will resume again next week. And, uh, yeah, I dare say it'll be a packed episode because we'll have two weeks' worth of news to catch up on. (laughs) And there's been a lot. So get your messages in. Let us know that you're out there. And we'll see you all on the Big Rab Show podcast next week. All the best. Well, that's it for another Big Rab Show podcast. Thanks so much for downloading this week. And a special thank you to our sponsor, G1 Reads. Played by bands around the world, they are the champion's choice. Played by two-time world champions in Vararian District. Don't forget to check out thebigrabshow.com to be kept up to date with all the latest news and views from the piping world. And also check us out on Patreon. For five bucks a month, you can get your hands on tons of extra piping goodness and be part of the Patreon faithful. So until next week, guys, we'll see you right here on the Big Rab Show podcast. All the best. <laughs>